from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome to the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas, joined by Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. Michael, I always look forward to our Wednesday conversations about the NFL and beyond, sir. Uh, so we've got a good one that we get, we're going to have uh, on the program, of course, today. Uh, we're going to have uh, Steve Mackinan joining us, as always, at the bottom half of this hour. His numbers always make me smarter. Uh, Harry Gagnon, uh, Gagnon is going to join us as well. Uh, and we're going to have uh, Lou Finicaro join us in the second hour. So we've got a great show lined up for you today, Michael. But I do want to get your reaction to what we saw on Monday night, which is rare to have Monday mm. night football in the postseason because – it puts the Rams in a short week, but that's a story for another day here. But they did get the victory, easy victory against Arizona. They win two out of three in that matchup. And really, before we go to the Rams side of it and looking ahead to the Buccaneers game, I want to look back at Cliff Kingsbury and what we saw with Kyler Murray and that offense really specifically down the stretch. 7-0 start, you know, things look great. But we've seen this kind of before with Cliff. I, I can't imagine he's in trouble out in the desert, but what do you make of the way this season ended for them, and where do you think they go from here? Well, I think if you really study their year, David, and it's good to be with you again on Wednesday, I I think you see that people learn to play the quarterback Murray. And once he gets hurt, which has kind of been not talked about, right? No one discusses it, right? He misses three weeks, right? He was, he was supposed to be day-to-day with an injury, but that wasn't the case, right? He missed three weeks, and then when he comes back, he's not nearly the same player. He's not even close to being the same player. And you could just see it in his play. You could see it in his demeanor. And when people make him play quarterback from the pocket, when they make him play quarterback from the pocket, he doesn't play well. He's, he's small. He's little. He can't see. People push him back in. Their guards, their offensive line is not good enough. And so when he has pressure in the paint, he becomes very pedestrian-like, and he can't see. And it's just been every time he plays a good team, it happens all the time. And then this year, for whatever reason, David, for whatever reason, and I don't know what it is, he, he didn't want to run the ball. Mm-mm. He didn't want to run the ball. You know, he averaged over six yards a carry last year. This year, he didn't have he had no interest in trying to run the football. He he was you know they'd call some runs, but he was he'd have a couple long runs, but he wasn't really dynamic in the run game. And so for me, his yards per attempt came streaming down from the beginning of the season, and he became very very easy to defend. 
pressure him inside, make him play quarterback. He'll play small. And guess what? He played small. Now, Cliff absorbs all this, right? He takes the heat for all of this. But I think a lot of it is the fact that Murray gets hurt and he has a hard time playing through hurt. And it's very interesting, too, because I think there are certain quarterbacks in the league, and you can look at certainly Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. We're talking about MVP-level quarterbacks, and Kyler Murray was playing to an MVP level before that injury, that if they don't use their legs, they're not necessarily special. Like, if they're just – if Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, they're just drop-back guys – I don't know that that's utilizing their best skill set, right? That you got to get them out of the pocket. You got to utilize what makes them special. And it really is that athleticism that those three guys in particular that I mentioned, that's what makes them different, correct? So is that up to Cliff Kingsbury then to make sure that Kyler, like Brian Dable, uses Josh Allen and Way Harbaugh uses Jackson, that you got to utilize what makes them truly special? Well, yeah, but I mean, if he doesn't really run it, I mean, what makes him special are the loose plays when he's when he's out there beep beep when he's running, you know, he's running one side to the other. I mean, two years ago he had 11 touchdowns rushing, he had 11 touchdowns rushing. He averaged 6.2 yards a carry. I mean, this year he had five touchdowns rushing. Now he missed some games, you know, but he he averaged 4.8 yards a carry. Teams are doing a better job of controlling him in the pocket. So it's no different than an NBA player. You go to your right all the time, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, once they play you to the right, you get, you get a game to your left. Murray hasn't been able to adapt to, his, to the pocket. He's little. He can't. And so, you know, and you well, what are they going to fire? You know, bring somebody else in. The same problems Cliff have are the same problem he has. Right. Well, you know, and, 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 he, and he, I mean, like the throw early in the game against the Rams, he's got Kirk wide open. He doesn't make that throw accurately. And so, to me, the other factor here is their offensive line isn't good enough, and they're an older team. And what happens to older teams? This is one of the big things in New England, too. As, as young as New England was on offense, their defense was old. McCourty, you know, they got McCourty, Hightower, Collins, Van Noy, Guy, old and slow. You get a young player like, like Allen, he makes them look bad. And the other thing is Allen, Allen can take hits. Murray can. He's little. What did right. Buddy Ryan – I say this all the time, so I know people are tired of hearing me talk about it. But Buddy Ryan said it best. There's a place in football for the little man. It's just not in front of the big man. <laughs> and that's Murray's problem. Yeah. It is a problem. And, again, when you start off 7-0 seven and, seven and, oh and end the season 4-7, and seven, I mean, that, that's really startling when you look at the way that they began and the way they ended. Cliff Kingsbury and company and Kyler Murray, they're going to have to figure but, but, something but out. But some of that – look – Look, I mean, you know, they had two really good wins. I mean, they go yep. into San Francisco with Colt McCoy. They go into Seattle with Colt McCoy and win those games. You know, they lose to Carolina at home because of the, they, the, he didn't play. I mean, when he got hurt, it, I mean, his year went way downhill. And I don't know the severity of the injury, but to me, if I were Steve Kime, the general manager, you know, I, I'm really, you know, it's easy for the media to say, give him an extension. You know, he has numbers as close to, you know, there was a campaign that he was the oh. MVP of the league early in the season that he was going to be similar to, you know, Lamar Jackson numbers or better than Lamar Jackson numbers, you know. But once people start defending him, I mean, this is what I think we miss about the league. It is a week-to-week league, but it's also a coach-to-coach league. When you get somebody who knows what he's doing on defense that rushes him the right way, and makes him play left hand. Now, not all of them do it. 
You know, not all of them do it because not all of them are well-versed enough to coordinate their pass rush. But if you do that, it becomes a real problem. Yeah, well, I was uh, having those debates here in, in Las Vegas with people trying to tell me Kyler Murray was the MVP at the beginning of the year. And I just went, let's wait for the totality of the year because I've seen this before with Kyler and the Cardinals, and I've seen the drop-off. I didn't know it would be this precipitous, but it was another drop-off. And again, I, until you can do it for 17 now in the NFL, I'm just not buying it. Uh, back to that Monday night game where the Rams easily win 34 to 11. The under cashes. Rams easily cover the number. Uh, Michael, now they go to Tampa Bay, and, and I mentioned that it is a short week, and I mean, it, some people don't really equate it to that because they're still playing on Sunday, but you still had the Monday, and now you're going cross-country, and you're going to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's been studying film since you and I had this conversation probably last Wednesday, Michael. So I, I just wonder now going there, and I'm seeing small numbers here, threes, two and a halfs, even here uh, at, at BetMGM. What do you make of this number? Because I know now the Rams, after that impressive win over the Cardinals, people are really on the Rams. Well, I mean, look, if you go back and watch the tape, which I did yesterday, and you study the game that they played in Los Angeles, you know, the Bucks did not play well. I mean, the Bucks got down 31 to, 20, 31 to 14 and were really fortunate in that game to be down that, that little. I mean, Stafford misses Deshaun Jackson for two touchdowns. He hit him on one, but he missed him for two other touchdowns. He got behind the defense twice, three times in the game, only, only was able to connect once. And they had a real trouble covering them. I mean, Todd Bowles was trying to play some man, got in trouble, tried to play some zone, couldn't really handle it. And what shocked me when you watch that tape is how the – now, they didn't have Jason Pierre-Paul, but they didn't really put any pressure mm -hmm. at all on Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford played a clean game. He was able to get through it. Now, they didn't really run the ball, and here's the other problem. I mean, in, the, in that game, they got behind. Brady's their leading ball carrier with three carries for 14 yards. Whoa. You don't say that very often. No. You don't, and he threw it 55 times in the game, you know? And so, and they didn't really, the Rams didn't run the ball that well, but they ran it well enough. They, you know, they, were, they averaged 3-2 a carry. They got 24 rushing attempts in the game. So to me, that's got to flip. You know, they got to flip this, and, and that's and yeah. They've got to be able to. And they went. They, they, look, the two key games here that we watched: 49ers Green Bay, and and this one, the Bucks Rams. The 49ers started slow and got behind 17 nothing, and the same thing had happened to the Bucks. They started slow and they went into halftime down 14 to seven, and then it came. And then as soon as the halftime ended, they're down 21 to seven. I mean, the first drive with 14 minutes to go in the in the third quarter, the Rams are up 21 to seven, and now all of a sudden they're playing catch up. Yeah, I, I look at it too, Michael. To the two points you made there, where Matt Stafford played a clean game and Todd Bowles really struggled with his defensive play calls. I don't see those the history repeating for those two scenarios, right? I mean, Stafford played a clean game last week, and, you know, they, they ran the ball, and you and I have talked about this on the show, that Sean McVay has to go back to that Jared Goff offense. They did that to victory last week. You know, Matthew Stafford, to me, I'm going to trust Todd Bowles to be able to make some of those adjustments. Do you see it the way I do that really, to me, the Rams playing another clean game like they did back in week three? I think that's a long shot at best. I think it is, too. You know, I think it is really, too. And, and here's the other factor is crowd noise is going to help the Bucks. Yes. I mean, they're going to be able to get and tee off on it. 
And McVay knows that. McVay can't put him back there in a tough situation where he's got him breathing down on him. I mean, so they're going to have to handle that. They're going to have to be able to pressure. Pierre Paul back, I think, certainly helps. But Vita Vey and Sue inside have got to do more damage, especially I think they got to line up, line up Vita Vey over the center and push him back and create some real issues. That's going to be the key to the game. And, Michael, very quickly, and, again, we don't know the status of Tristan Wirfs and Jensen on the inside there against Dominic, or excuse me, against Aaron Donald. Well, I mean, Jensen's a Jen, – Jensen's a warrior. He's gonna play. He's I mean, play. you know, you're gonna have to chop an arm off to get him not to play. <laughs> and the thing that I that I think is still underappreciated about Tom Brady, if it's, if that's possible, is just getting the ball out of his hands, realizing uh, when that pressure yeah. is going to be coming, knowing the snap count in his head almost, right? Like, okay, if I've got a trouble on the right side, I know that I I can't hold on to it too long. He's going to get the ball out of his hands, right? And playoff winning looks like he's going to be back. Yeah, I mean, he'll know what Raheem's doing to him. I mean, this is the game that Gronk really broke his ribs in, and you could see it. I mean, he came across the middle and got and got plastered. And Cameron Bright had a good game in this game. But I think the game plan, I think the Bucks have to revisit their game plan. They let too many too many possessions on third and short slip away from them. That won't happen again. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. So, again, interested to see where this number goes. But, again, two and a half here at BetMGM. Seen some threes also here in Las Vegas. All right, when we come back here on the Lombardi line, Mike, we're going to go around the league with some very – very interesting notes, and I want to get your thoughts on them. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Football playoff season is here. It's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with their state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly if you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Dave Ross back alongside 
Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And, Michael, some very interesting news and notes around the league that I really want to get your thoughts on from somebody who's been in this position and you know exactly what some of these teams are dealing with today. Let's start off with Nick Casario, the Texans uh, GM here. He said they're open to trading the third overall pick in the 2020, uh, 2022 upcoming NFL draft. And he also said it's, quote, more than likely that Deshaun Watson will not play for the Texans next season. I understand that you got to say, hey, we're open for business. Let's make a deal. But, you know, it's going to be a king's ransom. What do you make of those comments? And what, what do they do with Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, they're obviously going to hold out for the highest bidder. I think what he just did is he started the auction. You know, he just started <laughs> the auction. He basically cleared up any doubt that they're going to bring him back. And he let 31 other teams know that he's available. And certainly the line of teams that need quarterbacks are going to form. And so instead of calling teams on the phone, he just took a personal advertisement out at his press conference. As for, you know, trading the pick, I mean, everybody knows Nick's a trader. Nick's going to move up and down and end the draft. That's what he's, you know, typically has always done. So I don't think that's much of a surprise. And this draft really, frankly, isn't about – there's not one star, you know, where you say, oh, my God, you know, this is going to be a blue chipper. You know, this is looks like it's going to be a kind of a, a balanced draft and finding the line. It's always important to find the line of demarcation if there is one in a draft. That being said, that being meaning where how many top blue chip players are there and then where does the let's say the eighth pick look as closely like the 15th pick or as closely like the 28th pick. Mm. You follow me? Yeah. You know, you know, look, uh, you know, and we saw it last year. I mean, as well as Sewell played, Slater played probably even, even better. So was there a line of demarcation between the two players? Maybe as the years go on, but as of now, no, that's the key to figure out the draft. And I don't know if this draft even has a line of demarcation in it. When he makes that, that, declaration that, hey, we're willing to trade down to, to the points of, of the ones you just made, which I think are, are, are spot on. And then he says, we're not going to, you know, Deshaun Watson more than likely is not going to be here. Does that mean he's found the quarterback in Davis Mills? Do you think that he is now the guy that they say, yeah, quiet has kept this, this rookie no. performed? No, he's not the guy. No, I think he's just going to move on to the next guy, you know, and he, and he lost a potential bidder in Miami. You know, he had a strong contingent in Miami. Now, you know, I don't know where Brian Flores ends up, if he ends up in New York or does he end up in Chicago. I don't know where he'll be. He'll be a head coach. I have fairly enough confidence in that. But he's lost a bidder, you know, to get Watson in Miami because it sounds like Miami wants to do everything possible to keep Tua in fold and utilize him and build their offense around him. Good luck. Good luck. We'll <laughs> see how that works out. But, you know, that being said, you know, that's their choice. Exactly. They, they, they drew the line in the sand, Brian Flores or Tua Tungavailoa, and we saw how that worked out. The quarterback's there and the head coach is no longer there. Let's move on to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers here. And, you know, I, I'm a big yeah. Mike Tomlin guy. He's a seven, five, seven guy like me from the Virginia Beach area, and he always speaks what's on his mind. He says that uh, in reference to the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, and the offense in general, I quote, took a step back in 2021. I also heard Tomlin say – that he's looking for a mobile quarterback this year. You know, Ben Roethlisberger for the Super Bowls and all that. We know he was immobile at the end of his career, at least in Pittsburgh. So what do you make of, of those uh, public comments about the OC and the offense in general and what type of quarterback he's looking for next year? Well, I think, you know, look, I think Matt Canada was really in a tough, tough spot. Because, you know, there's an old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, Ben wasn't changing the offense. 
I mean, Mike wants the quarterback under center. You know, Mike wants a two-back set. Mike wants a little bit of balance, and he hired Canada to kind of get him there. But he didn't anticipate, I don't think he anticipated Ben coming back. I really don't. Mm. I think when Ben took the pay cut in the front office and the ownership of the ownership said, hey, look, we owe it to this player to come back. We know he can't play, but we owe it to him to come back in his last year and we'll let him come back because he took a pay cut. Had he not taken a pay cut, it's easy. We just let him go. But Ben was smart enough to know that there were a few options out there, so he took the pay cut. They brought him back, classy by the organization, right? And Tomlin never said a word. He just bit the bullet. And Canada never said a word. You know, nobody complained about how bad Ben was other than me. You know, and so, you know, and so they just went about it. But you can't really run the offense. I mean, Canada had no chance to run the offense he wants to run. So he gets a mulligan. And, and, and now I think what you'll see is the change of the offense, whether it's Mason Rudolph or someone else. They're going to change the offense. They're going to be under center way more. They're going to get a fullback in the game. They're going to try to run the ball, play action, you know, instead of trying to throw short passes to the receivers like they did. So I think there's a lot of changes coming, and Tomlin will implement those changes. I don't think it'll stop them from looking for a quarterback. I don't think Rudolph's the answer. Right. Whether they think so, I don't think they think he's the answer. However, that being said, he's, they have him on the team, and so they got to move forward. It's like the Raiders. Do they think Carr is the answer? No. Do they think that they, they have to get somebody, either make Carr play better or get someone better? Yes. But they're not going to get rid of Carr. Because, you know, when you get rid of Carr, now you all of a sudden you're, you're, four and, you're, four and, you're four and 13. Right. You know, whereas you can compete with them. So th- this what makes the whole Russell Wilson conversation absolutely absurd. Because everybody says, well, Russell's going to get traded. Who's playing quarterback for Seattle? <laughs> They Gino don't have Smith. a first-round pick. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's not Geno. They right. don't have a first-round pick. There's no quarterback in free agency. Like, where are they going to get one? I you don't... think Pete Carroll at age 70 no. years old wants to go 2-15? and 15? No, I, and exactly, Michael. And that's why I love Seattle in the last couple games down the stretch. And I know they lost one of the Bears, but they won two of their last three. Because it felt like Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson saying, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be right here, and this combination still works. We'll see if that's true. But I think you're right. I think they're staying put. Obviously, Pete Carroll is in the Pacific Northwest. We're hearing that the Athletic is reporting that the Broncos, uh, Panthers, and Steelers are the most likely bidders for Kirk Cousins in this offseason. I, you know, I don't know if Cousins is the right fit there or not, but what do you make of those teams with KC8, and do you think he'd be a fit in the Steel City? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think he would be, but at $45 million, you know, that guaranteed there's going to have to be some kind of restructure. You know, and, and one thing about Kirk is, you know, he's he eats all the food. I mean, he don't share. You know, he don't even pass the salt. Like, he's like, you know, he's taking all the money. And so you're trying to get him to take the pay cut to go somewhere else. Now, you know, that's also a huge cap hit when they trade him on their cap. But if they're doing that in Minnesota, you know, it isn't because they they can't possibly think. They cannot possibly think Kellen Mond's the the answer. They can't. No, no. They just can't. And whomever they hire as the next head coach is going to have a lot of decisions to make about Cousins, which to me would be let's keep him for one year and find his replacement. But, you know, teams will be desperate to find a quarterback. No one's desperate to pay $45 million of guaranteed money. Not at all. I think, you know, you look at the, the Steelers and their glory days and winning, what, six rings? You get two with Ben and four with Terry Bradshaw, common denominator, both through the draft for the Steelers, right, those quarterbacks. That st- seems still like the Steeler way. So I've heard some, some – you mentioned it's not a great quarterback class, but 
Could a Kenny Pickett, does that make more sense that they draft a guy and see if they can develop him? Or they already got Mason Rudolph, they got Dwayne Haskins, and those guys have not really developed yet, even though they didn't draft Haskins. Do you think they go by the draft, or do you think they will look free agency? I think if they could find somebody in the draft that they like. I think the misnomer about quarterbacks in the National Football League is this. There's very few that are just plug-and-play. Every one of these guys, even the first-rounders, even Josh Allen, as great as he is, isn't a plug-and-play. Now, his athletic skills take over and plug-and-play, but there's always – you've got to manage the team around the quarterback, you've got to build the right offense around the quarterback, and you've got to be able to play complementary football within that. That's just a fact. You know, maybe you get Mahomes and maybe you get – Aaron Rodgers, and you don't have to do that with those guys. And this year, Allen looks really good playing what he's playing in. However, that being said, whomever you get, you're going to have to manage and you're going to have to build a team around him because every good quarter, every quarterback has to be that way. There's just no, there's no John Elway's not walking through the door where he could do anything. It's hard to find that. So you're going to have to do it anyway. It really is hard to find that. And, again, you know, you look at that, that draft room or you look at the quarterback room right now, you know, Ben was a, a first-round pick. So was Dwayne Haskins in D.C. And we know Mason Rudolph was a high pick there in Pittsburgh, and that didn't go over with Ben back uh, – didn't go over well back in the day when they drafted him that high. I'm just very curious to see what that front office does and what Mike Tomlin – ultimately what say he has, Michael, and, and bringing in whoever He'll have a next, lot. He's going to have, have a lot of say. All right. So let's see He'll how that's going to work out in the Steel City. Uh, Michael, when we come back – Steve Mackinnon is going to join us again. Some very interesting trends that he saw in the wildcard weekend and how you can extrapolate here into the next round in the postseason in the NFL. Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows and download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. Get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander on Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, Long Shots, and First Strike, and many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast, and I will say unbiased opinion. That First Strike podcast is sensational. Right now, it's back here on the Lombardi line. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi, and it is always great to have Steve Mackinnon, our Point Spread Weekly Editor, join us here on a Wednesday. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Steve Mackinnon. And, Steve, you know, I, I had a really good week following your numbers from our conversation last week, except for one game that I didn't follow you on. That was the Cowboys, and you told me not to go there, and I still went there against your numbers, and I am not smarter for that decision. But outright winners, ATS, boy, 6-0 and last week in the wildcard round. If you're winning, you're covering as well. Yeah, it was, it's been extraordinary in the wild card round with that. Uh, we're up to 54, 7, and 1 now. Uh, these outright winners covering the spread in that round. So, uh, unfortunately, it looked like four, maybe four of those teams probably didn't deserve to be in the postseason, and uh, it showed. And uh, got to, hopefully it leads to a better weekend of football this weekend. 
Yeah, I do. What What is the one game that jumps out to your numbers that is a little bit off from the line that we've seen so far? For this weekend, you're saying? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, I, I, I don't know. You, you got several big, uh, several line moves already that I think people are going to have to kind of take notice of. Uh, historically, in this uh, divisional round, uh, following the line moves on a 22 and 10 spread run. So you think if you got positive moves towards Green Bay, you got positive moves towards Tennessee. Uh, I think the move line move towards Buffalo. And uh, well, the other game, I believe it's it's pretty close in that one, but uh, possibly towards Tampa it's Bay. Staying, so, right. The, yeah. You definitely want it's to look at, look back at and that forth, Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing that very. Yeah, no doubt. We're seeing that now about two and a half. It's down uh, Tampa Bay. Still some threes out there, Steve. But to your point, it is moving. Uh, a lot of money has come in so far on the Rams here. Uh, Steve, very quickly, looking back, the unders were very profitable last week. Wild card unders, uh, four and two. And they, in totals, 44 or over going under, four and one last week. And that total, 30-12-1. We see some high totals this week. The highest one on the board, obviously, is the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs open around 55, and that's already down to 54-and-a-half. Is that the trend you would expect to see again with people starting to bet the under? Because of these trends, it just feels like coaches seem to get conservative in the postseason, and I can understand why. I would say that that strategy thing maybe, except for the fact that we have when you when you reach this round, you typically have better offensive teams lately, so you'll see a few more overs in games like here. Now, one of the things that's really stuck out in this round is if you want to call it correlated parlays. When home teams cover, they're on an 18 and four over surge. Mm. When road teams cover, it's 11 and four under. So think of that: the the home team wins with offense, the road team competes with defense. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And in the last in the last five teams that have scored 31 points or more in wild card games, all covered the divisional point spread next week. That's another one of your nuggets that you go into this this week too. And that would qualify, obviously, Tampa Bay. That would qualify. San Francisco didn't, Buffalo did, and that would, and obviously Cincinnati didn't. So that would qualify Buffalo and San Francisco. Correct. Uh, actually, San Francisco did not reach that, so they will not qualify. Oh, they didn't get the, the Rams they are the team okay. and one watch for in this one. Uh, they will be going up against Sam. I, I believe that was a road trend, wasn't it, Michael? Let me, let me dig that one yeah, up. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yep. I thought it was just the five teams that scored 31 more points. Uh, uh, let me let me go. Maybe it is the road team. Hmm. You know, I have so much information on here to start to find it sometimes. Well, I was going to so. say, gentlemen, very quickly, uh, One, th the other thing that does fascinate me, Steve, is really the numbers that you have for this week's game it seems like advantage home teams because last year for the fourth straight year, at least three of the four teams advanced outright out of this divisional round. And you look back at the last 10, and in two of those years, 2016 and 19, the hosts swept this round. 2017, they split. But in all, seven other years, there were at least three and one. And you get a cumulative record here of 31 and nine, 78% in that span. So that bodes well for the Packers, Bucks, Titans, and Chiefs uh, potentially here. Yeah, think about that. You go back 10 years, 
only one of those seasons they the road teams were able to split the games. All other nine years they they came up short. I mean, you get two sweeps and then seven other one and three records for that road team. So it goes to show that this round that these teams work to get the home field advantage mm-hmm. here, and they've really they've uh, really fulfilled that. So one interesting nugget here, and I, I you know if you caught this guys, I highlighted. There's a massive difference between the performance of the Saturday home teams and the Sunday home teams. Saturday home teams in these games are on a 21 and three and 18 and six spread run over the last 12 seasons. On the, on the wow, you, whoa, it, yeah, and you change that over to Sunday, and the road teams actually have a 22 and nine spread record in that same span. So. Uh, I, it seems sort of fluky. I mean, maybe Mike can help provide maybe some explanation to this. Maybe there's a, a settling in issue. I, I don't know, but it, it, it's very strange the way that it's worked out. It really is, and I can't explain it. I mean, you would think it, it, the start of the Saturday games are at 4.30 East Coast time, which is like playing an afternoon game, and then it's at 8.15, which is like playing a night game. So the your body clock, it's one less day of preparation, obviously. I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a less day of preparation, neither does Green Bay, but it is Cincinnati's on a Saturday-to-Saturday schedule. San Francisco's mm-hmm. on a Sunday-to-Saturday. So, But the one factor is they've played each other before, so – other than you know, other than Cincinnati and Tennessee, these all are rematches, which I think obviously affect the number two. Have you done any research on rematches in playoff in this in this round? What that number comes out to? No, I haven't. But I tell you what, Michael, I took your advice a few weeks ago and, and researching some stuff, and I am going to write that down. <laughs> I'm going to look into that. Well, gentlemen, that like a, yeah, I mean, because these games, like because Steve, angle. these games were. Because these games were played so early in the season. I mean, San Francisco, Green Bay were in the week three of the season, you know, and 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 so was the Ram, so right. were the Rams and the Bucks, and then you know, Kansas City. I think was week five with Buffalo. I'm not. It was early, so early. it was a lifetime ago. I mean, Buffalo, Kansas City. The first time they played, I mean, Kansas City's defense wasn't playing anywhere near as good as they played after Buffalo. They started to play in the second half. I think week six of Washington, where they started to play better defense, and now it'll be. A different game. Well, gentlemen, one thing that this really, Steve, when I look in the, at your numbers here, and this just has danger, Will Robinson written all over for the Tennessee Titans. Number one seeds playing as small home favorites of seven or less are four, 10, and one ATS in the divisional rounds. NFC number one seeds, Green Bay Packers, are eight and one straight up in the last nine. And in their current four-game winning streak, they've allowed just 13 points per game. So it feels like advantage Green Bay, but watch out Tennessee. Uh, Well, I think uh, that's maybe a common consensus I've heard across opinions this week is I don't know if people are really sold on Tennessee uh, being a number one seed level type of team. If you go through the, the my analysis on the shared trades thing, they're way down this in terms yeah. of the AFC. They're, uh, they're like just above Pittsburgh, here. Steve. Yeah, they're just above yeah. Pittsburgh on your playoff readiness. I mm-hmm. mean, that's kind of the thing that jumps out to me there, no doubt. Yeah, I, you know, I as you look at that team, it's really hard to buy in the fact that you should lay points with this team in a high level. Uh, competitive playoff type of game here. So th- they may win this game. I'm not saying that they're not going to win this game, but I, I they're not going to run away from the Bengals by any means. 
Uh, gentlemen, we've got about a minute to go here with Steve Mack and, of course, of Point Spread Weekly. And, Steve, very quickly, one interesting nugget here. When scoring 20 points or less, the chance of a road team winning in this round drops dramatically to 4 and 37 straight up and 14-25 and 2 ATS, meaning if you can't score over 20 on the road, it's going to be really tough sledding for those road teams. you got to have some offense this weekend on the road, correct? Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I love these types of angles because you, you, you get to fit the teams, maybe the strategy they're probably looking to play into and, and their capabilities of scoring certain levels of points, and you can really get an idea of their chances of covering uh, when you look at numbers like that. Well, you got to tell you again, oh, your, your yeah. numbers were obviously they're always spot on. They were really spot on last week. And again, if I had just followed you one more time, Steve, I would have had a perfect weekend. Uh, but damn it, those Cowboys got in the way, Steve. Hey, you can't bet with Thank your you, heart, Steve. Dave. That's the problem. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's never going to learn, though, Steve. He's not going to learn. <laughs> and he, he can't help himself. Michael's right on that as well. Steve, uh, again, follow him on Twitter at Steve Mack, and always appreciate the time and the information. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good week. When we come back, how about some highest and scoring lowest teams coming up this weekend in the NFL? We'll discuss when you come back with us right here in the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn M-Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, so download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issues is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And Michael, we did this exercise a week ago yep. in the wild card round. We're going to do it again here in the divisional round and re really trying to look at what games we think 
we're going to see teams either you know blow through the, 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 the scoring plateau or really struggle to score and some props that are associated with it. So let's take a look at right now at some teams that maybe we think the highest and the score, lowest scoring games might be. Let's start off with the highest scoring games. So right now, we're expecting the Bills. We know that the point total about 55 and the Chiefs at plus 115. So you're not going to get a whole lot of value there if you think it will, in fact, be the highest scoring game. And then you've got the two NFC games coming in at plus 300 and plus 350. And, of course, with the Titans, you expect that to be a lower point total in that script. Is there any value in maybe the two NFC games, or do you think it really is the obvious choice here with the Bills and the Chiefs? Well, I, I think it is the obvious choice, but I think the Rams-Bucks, if you go back and watch that game, the way the Rams move the ball so easily against the Bucks, if they can do, duplicate that along with the Bucks being able to move the ball as well, I think that's the key. I, I, I want to go back to what we talked about in the last block because I think this is really important. Okay. You know, Bill Walsh had a better winning percentage on the road than he did at home. And why is that? Because... Winning on the road has so much to do with being able to get your offense going and being able to score points, to quiet the crowd, to offset maybe the opening touchdown by the home team, to keep yourself in the game and moving the football. I mean, the Raiders' ability to move the ball against Cincinnati kept that game close partly because the Bengals were so bad in the red zone, but they moved the football effectively. And I think this question lends itself to to that. And I think when you see these teams that are in there, and, and Matt put up the graphic again, I mean, Buffalo can move the ball on the road, which gives them a hell of a chance. The Rams can move the ball on the road. That gives them a hell of a chance. The Bengals, we saw them go into Baltimore and move the ball on the road. But can they do it consistently enough? That's the question. And then, you, you know, when we, look at, when we look at the 49ers, we know they can move the ball. But the, the Bengals, more than ever, they're going to throw, try to big, big plays. The 49ers are going to control the clock. They, they want to be able to put 10, 12 plays together to string them along to have this football 34 minutes so that Rodgers doesn't have to play that much. Rodgers doesn't have the ball as much. So I think you got to take that into consideration too. I like the Rams or the Bucks. I do think both teams will move the football. Beckham replaces Robert Woods, you know, and, and in the game, and Woods had a game. And if this front can't pressure Stafford, he's going to throw the ball. Well, let's stay on that thread then, Michael. And let's go ahead and extrapolate that from the highest scoring game to the teams that we think are the best built to win this weekend on the road. Because you're right, Bill Walsh, that mentality, it's a different philosophy on the road. So the Bengals and the Rams and the Bills, by the way, I mean, these are really small numbers that we're seeing here. Three and a half for the Bengals. Uh, the Rams getting three, two and a half at most places in the Bills, two or one and a half here, with the biggest underdog being the Niners getting the six right now in San Francisco. So which of these away teams do you really think are built the best to go ahead and continue that and win on the road this weekend? Well, I think the Niners, because of their offensive creativity, their ability to run the football, their ability to attack the weakness of a team. The Packers' run defense over the last half of the season has been bad. You know, when they played them the first time, they really couldn't run the football. They used a ton of motion. They tried to shift the strength of the defense away and try to take advantage of it. They really didn't run the ball. They're running the ball much better now than they did back in that Week 3 game against the Packers. Packers are better on defensively that Week 3, too. They're not the same team, and I think that the field – 
you know, should be conducive enough to run the ball. And the creativity of Kyle Shanahan to be able to throw the football can take advantage of it. And I think they can go after Eric Stokes and they can go after the corners. I mean, Samuels and Kittles are, are their playmates. He's going to get the ball to those guys from start to finish, and they make plays. So I think they could easily go on the road. The Rams are built to play on the road because they can throw the football down the field short with Cup. They've got Beckham coming in there with Higby. He's a huge factor. That gives them an advantage. The Bengals are the one that worries me the most because of their offensive line. You know, they're going to come out and try to run a short passing game, get the ball out of his hands really well. However, that being said, you know, if you go back and watch the Denver tape with Vic Fangio when he was there, it's a 15-10 game. They really struggled on the road to move the ball against an opponent that they didn't know as well. They know the Ravens. When they play a team they don't know as well or have played them before, it can become a little bit of a problem. And if Vrabel's as smart as I think he is, he's going to try to take Chase out. And he's going to say, okay, Higgins, you beat us. You know, Tyler Board, you beat us. You know, and we're going to force this quarterback to hold the football and have this offensive line try to block Jeffrey Simmons on every single play. Yeah, it's a great point, too, because you look at the Bengals here. I don't know how well they're going to be able to run it with Joe Mixon, too, and that might put more pressure on Joe Burrow in that offense there in what we think would be a lower possession game. So the Bengals are going to have to treat those possessions preciously. We know that's what the Titans do offensively. The other game, really, that we haven't talked a whole lot about yet, and, I'm, and I know we will certainly in the next hour as well, is the Bills and the Chiefs here. And again, we're expecting fireworks and offense and all those things. But Michael, from a schematics point of view here with, with Brian Dable, he has been running the football a little bit better as of late. Does this get down to a machismo battle of Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes, or can they check the egos and say, so, you know what, we might need to, to run the ball a little bit more. And the Bills sometimes get away from that. Does that worry you for this away team to potentially get this win again in Kansas City? No, no. I, I think they know who they are. I think that the, one of the things I think when they lost to New England, uh, they, I think they felt like they didn't run Josh Allen enough. I think they were protecting Josh Allen. And I don't know if he said it to them or they said it to him, but they started to run him. They started to run, run, allow him to run the football. And that makes all the difference in the world, right? When he can run the football, all of a sudden you've got to account for him. It becomes a single wing. And he takes off and he's effective. You know, he had 122 attempts this year running the football, 122 attempts in, in 17 games. You know, he averaged 6.3 attempts. That's exactly the same attempt, uh, that number that, that Murray made. That makes a huge difference. And why does it make a big difference? Because if you're Kansas City and you want to play bump and run and you want to be able to press these corners and be physical and disrupt the passing game, well, then somebody's got to spy on Allen. Somebody's got to contain Allen. And that looks really good on my whiteboard over here. You know, you got Allen. But when you go on the field, the guy doesn't tackle him. It's a 20-yard game. Mm. And I think that they've added him into the running game has made them more effective as an offense. And I think it's really – and you see it in the results. You know, they, 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 you know, they ran the ball for 170 yards against the Jets, 233 against the Falcons. I mean, they threw for more yards uh, – they ran for more yards than they threw in the Falcon game. You know, and they've – since that New England game, they have kind of gotten back to that. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to be able to do that. And it helps them to not turn the ball over. Very quickly, with some of these coordinators and kind of the identity of their teams, it is funny because I remember when that Rams-Chiefs Monday night game happened a couple of years ago in Mexico City, and everybody said running the football is for losers. Right, Michael? Yeah, now, well, it is. You know, well, I mean, here's the thing. It's, there's a fine line here, right? You run, you, you throw to get the lead, you run to keep the lead, but you also need to run the ball to pace the game. Yes, 
you've got to pace the game and you've got to be able, and you're playing against a good offense, you've got to pace the game. And the running game allows you, look, you, you, know, you can't put the pressure on any quarterback 54 throws. For all the, I believe in the run as much. I believe in the pass as much as anybody. I want to throw to run. I don't want to run to throw. But when you have a quarterback like Allen, who's a runner, you better utilize his skill because it becomes the single wing, and somebody's got to defend them. So I guess in in closing for this road team kind of narrative on the road this weekend that you trust the most out of a coach or coordinator, which which combo do you trust the most to stay? committed to who they are to possibly get this upset. Is it still Kyle in the way he runs that Niner he, offense? Kyle can't – yeah, Kyle can't – Kyle won't change. Kyle doesn't have a drop-back pass game. Kyle can't – you know, even though he got behind 17 nothing in the first Packer game, he kept doing what he does. That's who he is. He's going to do what he does. He's going to use different shifts, different formations, different motions. You know, he's going to attack this team. But he saw Cleveland run the ball on him. He saw what Cleveland could do to him. And he's going to manifest that forward. And not make the same mistakes and keep Garoppolo from beating them. Keep Garoppolo from making that mistake. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. He doesn't really have a fallback plan. Maybe some of these other guys do, and Kyle is not going to deviate from what's gotten the Niners to where they are now. All right, Michael, fascinating conversation as always. When we come back, some more news and notes, including the king. Is Derrick Henry set to return for the Titans, and how does that affect your handicap? Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.